Mixtapes with Mike is now working in partnership with Black Circle Records, an independent record store based in Latent Buzzard. No money is changing hands, but we are going to work on some promotions together, so it would help us both out if you would take a second and follow Black Circle Records on Instagram or click on the link in the show notes to visit their website. We've got everything from blow-up dolls to the Wombles with serial killers in between, and it's all ridiculous. Well, there's the uh, there's the intro for Instagram. Um... <laughs> Welcome to Mixtapes with Mike, the podcast where I invite a guest to make us a mixtape of 10 different tracks without using the same artist twice. We're going to talk about each song, and if you like the sound of what you hear, you can listen to the mixtape in full on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. Now, before I get into this week's episode, I wanted to say a big thank you to some of the listeners that are in the far-flung regions of the world. Obviously, the majority of my listeners are here in the UK, and I'm grateful to all of you. And if you've got a second, please leave me a positive review on Apple Podcasts, because it always helps. Need those reviews. Um, But the, the stats on the back end of the platform I use tell me about all the different locations where people are listening and some of them are like I, I don't get it i don't understand how these people have discovered this podcast so um i've got a listener in kilauea which is an island in hawaii with one of the most active volcanoes you literally live on a volcano and you're listening to my podcast that's insane uh, i've got listeners in melbourne australia in Clifton Hill and also Bowen North. Um, now, is that two listeners or is that the same listener moving from suburb to suburb in the city? In which case, these stats are a little bit frightening. Uh, I also have uh, listeners in Japan. I've had downloads in Osaka and Hirokata, uh, which blows my mind. Uh, As much as I would like to think it's like 20 different people, it's probably one person who's working their way through the back catalogue. But either way, thank you. Um, So if you're one of these people, please get in touch. You can email me at contactmixtapes at gmail.com or just uh, shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'd I'd love to know who you are and how you discovered the podcast and, and what you like about it. So please do get in touch. Now, this week's guest is an artist whose work is inspired by pop culture and 60s psychedelia. And the artwork she produces is humorous and macabre and the kind of thing you would see in a grim fairy tale if the author had taken some acid before they started writing. And I mean that as a compliment. And I knew the second I looked at her work that she would be the type of person to create a very interesting mixtape and she has not disappointed. This week's guest is artist, illustrator and poet, Melody Clark. How are you doing? Hello. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, I'm getting, we got over some technical issues. We were supposed to start this maybe an hour ago. Um, <laughs> but you've patiently waited for me to, you know... I, I t- hope I've not impeded on any plans that you might have had in this lockdown. <laughs> no, this if this year has uh, made anything, it's just completely eradicated plans. So, yeah, it's definitely done that. <laughs> now, Melody, I don't think I've ever had a guest whose mixtape perfectly 
reflected their artistic output oh. in the history <laughs> of mixtapes. That's really good to hear. So <laughs> I mean, that could be a bad thing, but I, uh, no, no, I don't, I don't think it is. So, like, so for. for Let's talk about your art and your your illustration first. Like for the benefit of the listener who who might not have happened upon you yet, explain what it is that you do. Okay, so and it is hard on a, on an audio uh, experience to describe something that is very visual. Well, um, we, we we will of course link to your Instagram account and all your yes, other endeavours. Please do. Um, so I'm a freelance illustrator and. Uh, I have an online shop, The Cabinet of Melody Clark, and uh, oh, how would I even describe it? It's sort of darkly humorous is uh, maybe the way to describe it. I try to blend my love of uh, horror and sort of uh, dark, historical, medieval sort of my love of that sort of imagery with a very sort of... Um, maybe British comedy or very I try to make it witty and weird and strange really uh, just whatever comes into my head um, I'll try and portray in an interesting way I think. Well, w- w- one word that kind of struck me looking at your stuff because we I happened upon you when you commented on I think it was the Nick Helm episode Hmm. Um, so it's one of those things where somebody comments or says something nice so like you check you check out the profile and then I saw this artwork and I was like wow this is really interesting and the one word that, that kept sort of coming at me was macabre yeah like, there's that yeah, kind of I try not to make it too sort of serious I do think there's an element of sort of tongue in cheek I don't take myself very seriously and I think that I'd like to think that comes across in my work. I do, I I love a lot of like puns and wordplay. And I just, I I don't know, I guess maybe I'm sort of taking the piss out of what I like. Like I'm aware that the things I like could be seen as very sort of pretentious. Uh, Maybe not after seeing my uh, my mixtape, but um, I think, yeah, maybe on on a deep level, I'm just ripping the shit out of myself perhaps. Perhaps I, I I think I mean, without giving anything away, but you know, before we get stuck into the chat, there was a, there's an element of sort of B movie horror to mm. the, to some to some of the sounds, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, but but so how did you actually approach making your mixtape? Oh, so I love making playlists. I'm absolutely one of those people. When I was at uni, I would make uh, like four or five hour long playlists for house parties and just I will make people playlists and either put them on a CD or send them a Spotify link Um, and so I always try and I'll set like a theme or a genre and it will be sort of very laborious but enjoy that I can take a real delight in sort of curating an experience so I'll really stick to a genre I'll be like I will play the, the opening of a song about eight times to try and get the next one to sound right after it. And so I definitely had to sort of let go of control a bit for this um, because it could, as a, as a playlist, I think it could be quite jarring. To, like, I, really, I think there's a DNA that runs through it. I'd like to think certain songs do 
fit together as you go through but it, there is a definitely sort of um genre change to me anyway maybe someone looking at it wouldn't think that but um yeah i think definitely sort of stepping back and being like okay it doesn't have to be a perfect like audio experience um but i just tried to pick songs that uh elicit a strong response in my brain whether it's sort of sentimental or a lot of the time when I'm listening to songs um, there's real sort of imagery that comes into my head and I can picture everything if it's a certain kind of song or a very well written song um, or if it's not a very well written song um, and just or artists that I think are more than just I mean I say just um, musicians so people that I think are real artists and craftsmen of their their work and their trade and their talent and I think for me I think a lot of the people on this list are people that I see as real sort of icons not just for their music but the way they act the way they perform the way they dress and I just love acts that are all that whole weird package okay so I think I think it maybe reflects the aspects of my personality as well and what I enjoy and Melody sort of I think my life is filled with I'm pretty sure that you are exactly the kind of person that I made this podcast for. <laughs> like the, the 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 detail and the thought that you've put into this, just oh, I'm just waffling. <laughs> it, no, it makes it no, it brings a smile to my face, honestly. So, who who's your first oh, track by? My first track is uh, by John Layton. A uh, song produced by the wonderful, well, Joe Meats, the producer, mm -hmm. who is one of the most visionary producers, songwriters that I think has ever existed. That horrible feeling when you find that one of your icons has done something horrible, when you first learn that, like, you know, they had, like, like Bowie with really young groupies, or, and you just kind of like, ah. I think the biggest one for me was learning that Joe Meek had shot somebody and killed them. And that was a real sort of, ah, oh, for God's sake, <laughs> you, you, the death of this person, it really inconvenienced my artistic taste. Um, because Joe Meek is so strange and his songs are about death and space and they're so experimental and sort of dreamlike and they really carve these worlds of like dead girlfriends and exploring space and just this really you look at the acts that are associated with him like um, the tornadoes who did that really brilliant instrumental um called Talstar, that's it mm -hmm. um and he really championed a lot of these really strange instrumental bands like the moon trackers there's this brilliant song there's something at the bottom of the well which is ridiculous absolutely ridiculous um but it's brilliant and he i think he was pretty like introverted kept himself to himself um and while he just had this brain that was incredible and john layton himself doesn't seem that strange really uh, which <laughs> disappoints me but he was an actor um and this song went like straight to number one I think it was featured in a television show but it was banned by the BBC because well, the song basically is about this guy who's 
lover has died. We're not really sure how, but it feels very like dark and macabre. And there's this word that I'm going to use probably with most of the songs is there's a story. And uh, I love musicians that are like storytellers. And like again, like they can really picture everything um, in this song. And I found a review of it, if you don't mind me using the quote. Um, but I think just sums up the song so well because it's such a unique sounding song and I really don't think that there's been anything like this uh, especially not in the charts but I've never heard anything like John Layton before or after in the timeline of music um, but this review that I found from uh, Tom Ewing in 2012 he described the song as the weirdest and most gripping British record to hit the top yet with Leighton's vocal clutching at your sleeve, desperate to tell a story of loss and madness. Meek turns the drums into phantom horsemen and fills the record's dark spaces with melodrama. A keening female voice on the chorus rounds the effect off. And I think that just so, for all my wittering and rambling on, I think that just so perfectly describes it. Like the tempo and the rhythm is absolutely like galloping horses and this sense of urgency and grief and horror and to me it sort of feels like you know the end of a horror movie where you know certain characters have died there's one soul remaining it to me the song feels like what happens next like his tale of this loss and we don't know what's happened and it's part like ptsd this sort of trauma like is it in his head but then part sort of being haunted. And I think the female vocals um, by um, Lister Gray are just so sort of spooky and weird. And it it could be, I think some people would listen to it and find it quite humorous, but I just think it's amazing. I think it is an incredible song. And I looked at a timeline of songs that were out at the same time because even now I still think it feels really unique, like I can't think of any acts. I know maybe bands like The Cramps or certain Misfits albums, like in terms of lyrics and um, the content of their songs, mm -hmm. maybe. Um, but without going into the world of like metal and rock and all that sort of stuff. I think there's nothing like it. And I tried to look, I thought, oh, maybe there's like an early Beatles song that was out that I can really like contrast it to, maybe like just some shout or something. The Beatles hadn't even hit the charts when this song came out. And the fact that there's this song that is so intense and so creatively unique and sort of pioneering so early, like when you really think it was 1962, like, Everything else at the time was a lot of like doo-wop, like we've just come out of the 50s. Like there was an Everly Brothers song that was out that year as well, I think it was Crying in the Rain. And I, it just blows my mind to think that the Beatles hadn't even, hadn't even hit the charts, yet there's this weird ass shit, this weird song that went straight to number one. Amazing. All right, so this is? Uh, <laughs> after that whole essay, uh, this is Johnny Remember Me by John Came armed with quotes. 
I've got like eight pages of notes. Um, just to back me up, because I'm not very articulate. No, no, you're doing great. You're doing great. Thank Don't you. worry. Thank you. Okay, so moving on from John Layton, your next track might might be my favourite on the mixtape but it really surprised me when I looked down and saw who it was by so tell us who this track is by so it's a song by Roxy Music and I think I think it's really interesting I'm really really glad that you said that because I think we definitely have a certain image in our heads of Roxy Music absolutely so like when I like I, I don't know I don't, I don't have like a like an encyclopedic knowledge of their back catalogue. But when I think of Roxy Music, I think of uh, more than this. Uh, yeah. I, I think of Babylon because it was put forward for a previous mixtape by Carl Donnelly. Um, oh, but it doesn't make me think of 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 this sound. <laughs> no. I, lis- I listen to this song because it's a very gradual build. And yeah. it's and it, and again, it's sinister. It's got that organ sitting in the background of it, and then it kind of drops into this funk riffery, and it sounds yeah. like something you would get from Sabbath or Steppenwolf or or even Led Zeppelin to a point. Yeah, then, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I look down at my phone. <laughs> Roxy music. Yeah, I think there's. I think people have one of two reactions when they think. Um, Brian Ferry or Roxy Music and I think either sort of Virginia play like Eyeliner, Green Sequins like that iconic Top of the Pops performance or Love is the Drug that era or they think like White Soup sort of schmaltzy quite croonery like when his sort of taste in fashion went completely downhill um, but there's still some really good stuff from that era but yeah this song is so so weird and I love that it, it builds and it's like a good sort of three minutes or so before it before it drops and the only thing that I can liken it to and it's a really um, it makes me laugh that I liken it to this but it makes me think of waiting for the uh, the drums in uh, in the air tonight by Phil Collins like sort of you're waiting for it you're waiting for it it hits and it's so fulfilling um, and because, because just... the, the the drop is triggered by this weird little lyric. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, absolutely. And and I recognise the song. I, I didn't recognise it as Rocky, Roxy Music, but I was like, where have I heard this recently? I feel like it's been used on a show or on a soundtrack, and it was used in quite a pivotal moment of The Gentleman, the Guy Ritchie movie. Um, yeah. Which I actually thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Um, but I was there was a good hour today when I was agonising over where have I heard that song? <laughs> And I just think it's uh, the lyrics. Are, certainly, I think there's a lot. There's a lot going on there, um, and I think a lot of their songs are about sort of glamour and love and pop culture and just this sort of whole glam rock sort of fun. I guess um, a lot of it is just about being cool, and that's great. Um, but this song is. <laughs> I think there's a, there's so much to to analyse. I think there's this whole commentary on sort of materialism and sort of lifestyles of the rich and 
sort of idealistic living and our obsession with, with things and objectification, but just taking it on surface level, I find it really interesting because, I mean, just to, to do a spoiler, but it's about a blow-up doll. And I find it so fascinating that there are so many songs out there that objectify women and this song sort of turns an object into a woman. It's like a love song, like the the line, my role is to serve you and like my breath is inside you. And it's so intimate and so sort of, it's weird, but it's sexy. And like you said, like the, the, the organ in the background and it's just so like, you kind of feel like you shouldn't be listening to it. Like you're listening in, it's so sort of voyeuristic. You're like, oh God, like I really, like that's like reading it's slow sort of stream of consciousness in a way that it feels like reading somebody's really personal diary entry or I don't know I guess an equivalent now would be looking at someone's porn history or their <laughs> order you know but and you know I, I used to work um, in an adult store so I'm not one to shy away from you know I'm not prudish um, and it's a product that you see every single day and sort of it's a song that I'm, I'm married to the guys that would come in and buy that sort of thing and like I'd never never judged anybody for what they bought any, anyway but um, it, it's hard not to picture Brian Ferry walking into your, your high street adult store you'd like to think he would never need to <laughs> Certainly not then. But I think it's so fascinating because, like, obviously we've all watched those documentaries about men that have, like, robots or blow-up dolls or, like, the really expensive, like, love dolls. And, and there's that film, Lars and the Real Girl, with Ryan Gosling really early in his career where he has this sort of love doll as a, as a partner and introduces his family to it and all that sort of thing. I think there's so much that you could analyse out of that. But... Aside from all of that, it's just a really cool song. It just sounds so slick and cool, and I think you can just feel so much of like Brian Eno in it, and I think it's just, it's just amazing. Okay, so this is? This is uh, In Every Dream Home, A Heartache by Roxy Music. Lover ungrateful I blew up your body But you blew my mind Moving on from Roxy Music, who are we listening to next? Uh, next up is St. Vincent. Um, I've been listening to her music probably since about 2014. And she gets likened a lot to David Bowie. And I think, I, I find it quite, I do, I feel very conflicted about things like that because I think like, oh, why can't a woman just be successful without having to be the next male artist, the next, like, 
or even just not even a gendered thing just like why can't they do their their own thing why do they have to be but, but yeah but, is, but, um, but at the same at the same time when i've seen uh I've, I've never listened to a whole album i'm aware of who she is but whenever i've seen like yeah. little um shots of her playing live at festivals and stuff the one thing that kind of struck me was there's an element of pj harvey there yeah yeah well i think there's i think she's absolutely a product of her influences without directly copying people and i think there's there's absolutely like there's so much bowie in there and i think and i love that because i love what he nearly ended up on the list um so nearly um and i do think there's definitely shades of that i think throughout her career she's had these different sort of personas and she said like her real name is Annie Clark um no relation sadly um but she uses the name St Vincent because there's so many different versions of herself that she wants to sort of play with and I, I find that so fascinating it definitely harks into like the very changing of name and all those sorts of things and she's an incredible guitar player and musician and I do think like she's only recently sort of really started gaining momentum and charting. Um, not that that's like a measure of success, but I'm just I always feel a little bit like what, why hasn't she been sort of realised sooner? Like I think she's an absolute icon. I think I think she's more like sort of Annie Lennox. I find mm-hmm. her to be this really sort of. Um, I just think she's amazing. I think she's so talented. I think and, there's an element with with an artist like that. They tend to be a little bit ahead of their time, and yeah, when absolutely, and, yeah, and I think and, she's so different to everything that's out at the moment. And when music trends kind of catch up to where she is now, or where she was maybe an album or two back, yeah, that's when stuff starts gaining traction. Um, so I think there's the the. the, the it's it's like that that thing about a stop clock is being right twice a day. There's going to be a point when yeah. what she is doing marries up with with what people are 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 yeah. picking up on, and she's just going to sort of take off. But she's 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 already really well respected anyway. Yeah, like she absolutely. she she put an album out with David Byrne, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. She's collaborated with quite a lot of um, sort of really big icons. Um, and I think when you listen to her songs, I had a real um, job trying to choose which which song. And I think just this one, I sort I think sort of expressed what I think when I listen to her. Like there's just so many different layers. Every time I listen to this song, I notice some other kind of little refrain or melody or some. I'd always find another layer inside it. And I, and I think she's an incredible lyricist and she does it so simply she doesn't use more words than she needs to but the words she uses are just so succinct and articulate and brilliant and i think some of her songs are these wonderful sort of electric bursts of like frustration and then other ones that like this one i find is just so i don't know i think there's elements of like sort of punk to it and it's very sort of scratchy and riffy and it's not a very long song but i think it's i think it just sums up what i love about her really okay so this is this is birthing with her
So moving on from St. Vincent, who's up next? Uh, up next is the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band, uh, or they changed their name later to the Bonzo Dog Band. Um, and I had to, I just had to include this one because I just think it's so much fun. And my younger sister, Robin, um, likened them to, she said, oh, they're sort of like the Monty Python of the music world. And I just think that is so, such a perfect descriptor. I think they're sort of, they're similar to Monty Python, the fact that they're like well-educated, they're art school kids, but they're just so daft. And I love that. It seems like they're just, they always just kind of did their own thing and they marry this kind of psychedelic pop with sort of jazz and vaudeville and like I hate jazz but I love that sort of intersection between pop and this very sort of 40s 30s sort of cabaret I nearly put um Pony Pie by um the Beatles on this track list on this mixtape just because it really expresses that little bit of uh, music that's so far away from everything else I like and um, and I think it's just a lovely little song. I think it's simple and funny and witty and catchy. And it's just brilliant. There's so they've got a lot more music than you think they would. Like I think they're seen as a bit of a one-hit wonder. Um, and I thought maybe I should pick one that's a bit more obscure, but I just this song just makes me smile all the time. And I think it's just so brilliant. And I think in a way it still feels like like sort of relatable and witty now because there's so much sort of pressure to be this sort of perfect constantly uh, positive optimistic well put together person that never trips up like sort of pure untouchable but that doesn't exist and I think that line where it says here's the twist I don't exist and there's this sort of burst of kazoo sort of sounding I don't know if it is a kazoo or something similar but it just kind of feels like this sort of chirpy laughter like ah you fell for it like that person doesn't exist and I just find that so witty and cute and funny and fitting I think interestingly for reasons that will become clear it I thought it sounded a little bit like a Kinks track, yeah. You know, because yeah. because there's that sort of um, that that slight cheeky bounce to the yeah. tempo, and the the, the humour is abundant, um, and it's it's one of those things like I'm sh- I swear I've heard this before, and I do think maybe you're right. I do think it was perceived as a bit of a one hit wonder, but it, it it definitely brought a smile on my face when I heard it. So 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 who is this? Uh, this is um, the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band with I'm the Urban Segment. So following on from the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band, glad I said that right first time. Um, <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? I have to check. We're, Apparently we're they started off as being the Bonzo Dog Dada Band, like the art movement. Oh, okay. Uh, 
which and then it later changed to Buddha, which right. I didn't know until I was doing some research. That actually makes a lot of sense. The whole like yeah, Dada thing. <laughs> um, we're moving on to another act, but this track is is it's another slightly creepy one in terms of like the sound. So who's this by? Uh, it's Adamant, and uh, I, w- I would love to hear your thoughts on this one because I think it's such a, a strange little song. And I was trying to, I, I, it popped up on Spotify on the sort of suggested tracks, and I've been obsessed with it for a couple of years now. And But I didn't know which album it was from or when it was from, and I think it's really, by sound, really impossible to track down to a certain era or part in his career, and I looked it up. And it was um, the album Wonderful, there was a, which came out in 1995, I think. There was a reissue in 2006 with different mixes and versions and unreleased tracks. And it's on that. So it's a very sort of hard to find little song. Um, and I think it's a shame that it wasn't an album track because it's one of my favourites by him. And again, I think there's so much imagery we associate with Adam Ant and Adam and the Ants. I love all of that. I think he's absolutely one of my my creative heroes, and I love Stand and Deliver and Prince Charming and all the ones that everybody knows. And that imagery is just so perfect, and the tie-ins with Vivian Westwood's Pirate Collection and all the punk movement. I just think it and there's touches of new romanticism in there as well, which is just there's just so much going on, and I love that. Um, but this track this sounds like something from a horror movie soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, it's so different. Um, and so it's about Psycho and Norman Bates, um, which obviously a brilliant, amazing film. I don't think there's that many pop songs written about it. Um, there's a lot of media out there that's been inspired by Psycho and Ed Gein, the serial killer that inspired Psycho. Um, but I think it really sort of... I think it's a wonderful little song um, and it's so strange and sort of a bit cheeky, a bit creepy and it's got this weird sort of lullaby kind of feel to it. It's quite sort of childlike without being cringy and the, the lyrics are just so, I don't know, sort of simple but brilliant and I think Adamant is really sort of underrated as, I'm going to sound potential, but like as a storyteller, I think. He has so many sort of characters in his uh, in his songs, and for him to take on Norman Bates, who is fictional but feels like a real serial killer. I feel like we mentioned him in the same breath as like Ted Bundy, and he didn't even exist. And I think that the fact that Adamant sort of took that on, and it, it could have gone quite quite badly to take his film and to do a song about it that's not even to do with a re-release of the film or it's you know completely un- unofficial um but and it's so strange like why did he write a song i want to know the story behind it yeah because like, like why did he do it I-, I listened to your mixtape three times today three or four times actually and at each time when this song was playing i had to look down and check who it was by yeah because each time i was just like is it really because it's Again, again, similar to the Roxy Music thing, when you when you think of Adamant, you think of those kind of yeah. upbeat, rabble-rousing kind of pop tunes. Um, but this is so down-tempo and a little bit morose. And Yeah, and I like that. It's kind of like the come-down after like a big night. I saw him live 
um, in, I think it was 2017. And um, he, it was like a tour where he did like all the hits and he was amazing. Like, I like, I've not been to many gigs, but that was like absolutely incredible. One of the best nights ever. Um, and I just think I, I kind of, I don't know if it's because his songs were seen as a bit daft and silly, but I kind of feel like we need to sort of realise how how great he is. Like, why? It feels like we sort of forgotten a little bit that he was a wonderful songwriter and an icon. Like, just like visually, like in terms of pop culture. Like, you know, you think eighties. A lot of the time, people will go to an eighties fancy dress party with the white stripe yeah. and you know the military coat, and it's just so embedded in our sort of especially British um, 20th century pop culture yet it seems like we've all sort of forgotten about him a little bit and that makes me sad well you've brought him back for the mixtape <laughs> so so this track is this is Norman with Mike first. You're the first person to select this next artist. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> so who's this? It's, uh, it's Kate Bush, my love, my the love of my life. Um, and this is uh, the opening track to uh, her debut album. She, she was only 19 years old. Like, I'm 10 years older than that. And the fact that she had done so much with her career uh, makes me feel both enamoured and a bit sick. And uh, it's just such a wonderful song to set the tone for an album. It starts, the first noise that you hear when you start the album is a wail. And it just fits. It, it's such a strangely haunting sort of love song. But I found out it's about her mind mentor that taught her sort of movement and dance. And obviously there's so much of that theatricality in her music and performance and her sort of persona um, and the lyrics are so um, so interesting because it, it marries quite sort of traditional lyrics um, like please don't let me go with things like um, you crush the lily in my soul so it's this really like strange mixture of quite poetic analogies and quite sort of traditional love song lyrics and I just think she's so smart and that whole album is incredible and I could have gone I was really tempted to go for the more traditional like Wuthering Heights because it is an incredible song and complete game changer for pop music and rightly so it is uh, seems such a well recognised and well loved song and it is it is my favourite of hers ever um, and I do love the latest of Hands of Love is one of my favourite albums ever, but there's just something that brings me back to the album of The Kicking Side, and especially just this song that sort of lets you have a little taste of what you're in for for the next sort of 40 minutes or so with that album. Okay, so this is? This is Moving. So moving on 
from Kate Bush. Who are we listening to now? Uh, next up is Arthur Sharp. Um, I first heard this song um, during the TV show that it was written for, which was Flowers, um, on Channel 4 a few years ago. And this, the TV show, was just such a important moment in my life. Um, just, I've never seen anything like it. And I think Arthur Sharp's work, Arthur Sharp's work with this TV show is absolutely incredible. Um, I don't know if you saw it yourself, but is this is this the really bizarre family? Yeah, with yeah, um... Julian Barrett, Olivia Coleman. Absolutely. Okay, so, so 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 here's here's one uh, a tenuous link, but uh, so Sophia Di Martino, who's in that, yeah, that is that is Craig Gold's sister-in-law, and Craig Gold was two episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, that's brilliant. She's yeah. very cool. <laughs> um, and I just thought it was such a, you know, sometimes you watch the thing and you think someone's looked into my brain. Like how how have they done this? And because it's so sort of dark and almost fairy tale like, but it's so real and raw. And I'd never seen depression and mental health and sort of suicidal feelings covered in such a, a true and genuine and funny way and I remember like when I watch it I get this whole rush of sort of creativity creativity and sort of influence like visually it's so stunning especially the second series um but then just this hit of like feeling and resonance and it's quite painful to watch, but it's a pain that I'm I'm willing to to endure because it's just such a gorgeous show. And Arthur Sharp is the brother of Will Sharp, who created Flowers. And I think you can tell that they've worked really closely together and they both understand what it is they're doing. And I think my only worry, the song. Sorry, I've mentioned the song title. Sorry. The I think the song um, that I chose for this is. Um, sort of perfect embodiment of the series. It's quite cool and sort of retro, but also sort of very anxious and frustrated and just very mad, I think. And I think it perfectly, if uh, you've ever felt anxiety, I think it just so wonderfully expresses those sort of really um, irrational fears and worries and just, ah, it feels like a, a bit of a scream, and I find it quite cathartic, and it's really oh. catchy. Okay, so this is? This is my only woman. I don't want to go back to my country lane. Oddly enough, moving on from Arthur Sharp, we are now listening to The Kinks. Um, so I think this is maybe the most well-known song on my mixtape. Um, I love, 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 love The Kinks. I think they're, they're just amazing. And I run out of adjectives to talk about uh, 
the Kinks, but I just think there's so many bands around at that time that are brilliant, but they can sound so samey, and I think the Kinks are just so unique and not just the songs, but Ray Davies' vocals are so distinctive. And again, it comes back to sort of storytelling. I think the stories like like Lola is just a really wittily, beautifully written song. And and then sort of the more sort of traditionally 60s songs, like I'm Not Like Everybody Else, and that sort of, those songs about like rebellion and just very cool. Um, but again, I was, I was really tempted to choose the more sort of obscure song, uh, just being complete hipster. Um, but also because there's just so many wonderful songs that they've written. And um, this one, to me, when I listen to it, it just, it feels like coming home. Like it feels like slipping into a dressing gown after a long day or, you know, getting into bed when you're absolutely knackered. There's just something so comforting and warm and there's so many different theories about what the song is actually about. Um, some people say that it was about um, two actors that were current at the time. The heads of the names gone completely out of my head right now. Um, but then other people say that it was a relative of his, his sister and her boyfriend that were wanting to emigrate out of the country. And then there's another theory that it's about Ray Davies and his wife and then walking along the Thames and having all these dreams about where their life is going to take them. And I think they're all really lovely ideas and sort of this, this generation that had um, grown up in the, at the end of World War II and this life that could be ahead of them. And I think there's just so so much um, beautiful imagery in the song, like just about these two people that like to meet up after work on Friday and get away from the hustle and bustle and just look at the water. And apparently it wasn't even originally going to be about Waterloo. It was going to be about Liverpool. Um, but it got changed last minute, which I find just a fun trivia fact. Oh, that um, I, I can't imagine that song. No. <laughs> no. But apparently he, he sees himself as like, uh, if he could have been from anywhere else, it would have been Liverpool. Um, which is, yeah, I think, and it's just such a sweet song. Like, it's just very unashamedly, unashamedly soft. And I think that's just very endearing. Okay, so this is? This is Waterloo Sunset. Well... This is probably the most epic tune of your mixtape. Um, <laughs> I, who's it by? Tell us, t- tell, tell, tell the listener who this is by. <laughs> it's by the Wombles. Of course, it is. <laughs> I, I think, I think we, I think we all knew when this episode started that it was only heading in one direction, and it was the Wombles. <laughs> Funnily enough, when I told my sister that I was doing this, she guessed. She was like, okay, I'm going to guess your songs. And straight away, she was like, Wombles. I was like, oh, no. Either she knows me really well or I'm very predictable. Um, But I just, I think 
probably out of this whole mixtape, this is my favourite song. And it was either going to be, I was like, let yourself have one novelty song now, like, because underneath all my layers of weirdness and darkness, there is just somebody that really, really loves novelty music. Um, I, I love Shawadi Wadi and ridiculous daft music that doesn't make me sound very cool at all. But um, this, the album that this, I think it was their second album, uh, Remember Your Womble, is amazing and it's so good. And I just think it's such a beautifully written song. And I sent it to a friend recently and she was like, oh, that's a bit of a tear jerker. And I don't think you expect it to be so good. Like, I'd love to know what you're, how you felt when you listened to it. What, what came to your mind? I couldn't help but think about the songwriter who was trying to work his way up the ladder and put a song forward to a record company and they went, you know what, we'll, we'll just take out the word walking and put in wombling. And and he, he had uh, he had a choice at that point. Do I, do I give this creative baby over to the record label to do this with it? Or do I hold on to my morals? Or do I cash in that paycheck? And he cashed in that paycheck. That's what he did. The amazing thing is that he was originally only supposed to be commissioned to do the theme tunes, the Wombles. And instead, he was like, can I have the rights to these characters? And he ended up bringing out, I think it was something ridiculous, like eight albums. And a lot of them went gold. And it's Mike Bat who has is known for all this amazing like orchestral work and he discovered Kate Melua and wrote Nine Million Bicycles in Beijing and also wrote All Around My Hat by Steel Ice Band which I think you can absolutely feel in the whole album um, and he is an incredible songwriter and I love like he didn't have to do this album so well like it could have been very much like job done we'll sell a few of those to the kids no, you, you know what? You're right. You're, the, the production and the arrangements, they're all spot on. They're done like proper songs. It's just the, the lyrics and the subject matter are a little bit ridiculous. But, yeah, you could but, change it. You could change the lyrics, like you said, like walking, or you could change it into a love song, and it would not be a novelty song at all. But I just love that it, it reflects the music that was around at the time and... It really fits in with all the stuff that was around then. But, but what a crude crazy. business move, like, to go, can I have the rights <laughs> to these characters? Yeah. And the but, TV show probably just went, all right, it means we don't have to pay him. But he's probably yeah, done yeah. way better than he would have ever done if he'd have just taken yeah, a commission. Absolutely. It was £200 he was offered to do a theme tune, and he ended up making about a million at the time. That's, cr- that's, um, that's like Star Wars, uh, like, <laughs> signing over the... Like, was it Lucas had the rights to all the merchandise and and the movie company just weren't bothered, but he made so much money from the toys. Yeah, but the thing is, the really sad thing is, he has filed filed for bankruptcy in 2017, apparently. Um, And he, whenever he gets money, he just completely invests it into the next endeavour, which then fails. Like, apparently, when he was offered the Wombles Cube, he had just uh, he was halfway through making like I think it was like a, a rock opera classical piece that completely failed that he'd lost like thousands of pounds in, and then the Wombles were there. Um, that's cute. <laughs> oh my god! All right, so so this track is 
is the sweetest song ever written that always makes me feel optimistic and makes me think about my lovely partner Richard. It is Wumbling in the Rain. <laughs> that is the word that I like to use to describe this sort of whole playlist. We've got everything from blow-up dolls to the Wombles with serial killers in between, and it's all ridiculous. Well, there's the uh, there's the intro for Instagram. Um... <laughs> <laughs> all right, now, um, following on from the Wombles, we find ourselves at your final track, but before we get stuck into that, for the benefit of anyone who's not heard of your artwork uh, and your poetry before, where's the best place to find out about you and all your artistic endeavours? Uh, the best place is Instagram. I live on Instagram. I've pitched up a little tent and I'm never off it. Um, and it is at the Melody Clark, and that's Clark without me. Because I've had a lifelong of uh, a life of people making me the wrong Clark. And I appreciate that you spelt it right. <laughs> oh, no, no, quite right. Um, I, you know, my name is Drybra. Do you have any idea how many mispronunciations I've encountered? <laughs> a lot. It's, it's, it's only when you talk to a bank with a Scottish call centre that they say it right first time. And I just like, yeah. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll make sure that we link to your Instagram and your Etsy store uh, and all of that in the show notes and, and give that a bit of a push because it's and it's well worth checking out because the 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 artwork is humorous and a little bit macabre and a little bit uh the, the, you know there's a, there's a definite sort of horror-esque theme running through it but there's there's the, there's a lot of uh, amusing artwork out there that you can you can purchase on lots of different paraphernalia i've discovered today um so we'll make sure it link to all of that Thanks. So who who's your last track by? So I am trying to claw back a bit of the coolness with this last song. Um, and it's by Metronomy, who, again, I sort of followed since uh, probably about 2011, 2012, when I was at uni. And my very cool friend, Rachel, was like, drunkenly, like, you need to check out this band. And uh, I did. And I've loved them ever since. And uh, this song, which is a title track, from uh, a couple of albums back, actually, is just so joyful and soulful and so completely different to their back catalogue. When I first started listening to them, there's very sort of fun, electro-indie, like very much, there were a lot of bands like them out there at the time. And I think it's safe to say when this album came out, there weren't that many contemporary bands like that at all. I think it really harks back to sort of 60s and 70s soul. Apparently the album was recorded uh, through analogue techniques and I think you can really feel that, like parts of it sounds like someone just sat in their bedroom recording it, like especially um, a song called The Upsetter really sounds like just a guy with a tape recorder. And the whole album is is brilliant. Um, And I think they're just so creatively ingenious that like all their videos are incredible and the video for this song was directed by Michelle Gondry and it's oh, just so gorgeously crafted and 
beautiful and just everything like their whole vibe now is just I mean I've always been I've always thought they're very cool but like they're just amazing and they've gone from being sort of this band that uh, the only other people I knew that knew them were students and now you'll hear them on like BBC radio and it's such a a strange strange thing when you see a band evolve like that as you hurtle through your 20s um and I think they've always been really fun but there's just something about this song that I find so uplifting it's such a simple story it's just about sending a love letter that's it but it's just so happy and joyful that's just the only word I can think of joyful and it's just lush it's gorgeous okay so this is this is love letters amazing look melody thank you so much for coming on i've i've enjoyed this episode so much like i mean i i i i talked to a lot of people that i know well and i talked to a lot of people that i've just tapped up on instagram and there's always that sort of there's always a bit where you've got to kind of feel each other out and kind of develop a little bit of uh, energy into the conversation but we hit the ground running today and it's <laughs> It's been a joy to talk to you. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. It's been very, very fun. So that concludes this week's episode. I really enjoyed speaking to Melody. She's very entertaining. Uh, It was very obvious that the music she listens to runs throughout her artistic output so we will link to her socials and her etsy store in the show notes so please do take a second to check that out as always we've kept the music discussed played below the conversation because i believe that all musicians should be paid for what they do so if you do want to listen to the mixtape in full you can find it on apple music or spotify by clicking the link in the show notes or the link in my bio on instagram if you enjoy the podcast it would mean the world to me if you would take a second to leave a positive review on what Whatever platform you're listening on or better yet share it with a friend let them know that it's out there any help you can give me to grow the audience is always appreciated but for now i will see you next week for another episode of mixtapes with mike